You're listening to the Overcast. Sunshine on a cloudy day. Part of the Oversoul Gaming Channel. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Overcast, the entertainment podcast focused on fun. I am your host, Justin, aka Oversoul. And I'm your co-host, Nick, a.k.a. The Vaping Fool. And we're bringing you sunshine on a cloudy day. And uh, today's ray of sunshine is going to end up being a topic on hidden gems. We're bringing you lots of hidden sunshines, diamonds in the rough, if you will, games, movies, and all that. Yes. That are... Mm-hmm. Um, that you've probably never heard of, or maybe you have, but it, no one's talking about it. So that'll be when we get to the topic of interest in this episode. But first, Nick, tell me, what's up with you? What's new? So I had my daughter for an entire week, and I loved every minute of it. I got to take her to Paw Patrol Live. She loved it. Oh my gosh. I think I was more excited to see her reactions more than anything. And I couldn't be happier. I am so glad that I got to do that with her. Uh, took her ice skating at the one of the local ice arenas here. Uh, she got to skate on the ice for the first time. She had a blast with that. Um, news. Something that... Uh, we talked about before that has been leading up. I actually got to ride in the passenger seat of my mom's car while we were driving on the track at the Rockford Speedway. And bro, this was an experience of a lifetime. I did, And the fact that this is the last season for the Rockford Speedway. Probably my last chance to be able to get to do something like that is just, it's, I don't know. It's a good feeling that I, that I finally was able to do something like that. Actually go down onto the track. I've been in the pits before, years ago. But being on the track yeah. in a car was a different experience all on its own and it was nothing but adrenaline like we um they they had a they had a burnout contest after um after we were all after we before the burnout contest there was everybody else everybody went uh, that that raced that day got to go out on the track again at the same time as everybody else following the the official pace car of NASCAR Daytona 500 February 18th 1979 everybody uh, everybody got to go out and follow this car and it was the 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 the, the entire track was but the car it was bumper to bumper bro like it was it was ridiculous very nice. Well, I know um, at the time of recording this, um, 
you and I actually recently hung out with a couple of friends of ours over this Memorial Day weekend. Yes, uh, we did. We we went to our friend Kyle's house. Uh, yes. And we hung out and we, uh, you know, we ate and we had some drinks and we just hung back and, you know, shot the shit and, you know, I played some VR. He had me try the... Uh, Edge of Nowhere game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was glad I went into it blind because I didn't know what to expect out of it. I wasn't expecting it to be in third person, and I I don't like when that kind of third person game is in VR because the floatiness of you hanging behind them screws with my head. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the only VR th- one of the only VR things that messes with me. Uh, but anyways. I liked the game that he had me play. Um, yes. uh, I, I was genuinely surprised by it. Um, after I got used to the to the thing, I got more used to it. It was really cool. Um, and I was not expecting it to be a Lovecraftian horror game with a giant Cthulhu monster. That took me <laughs> by surprise, but it was, a, it was a very nice surprise. Yeah. Because I love Lovecraftian horror, you know? Right. Not Lovecraft Not Lovecraft himself. He was not a very good person, but he wrote some damn good horror. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It, 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 it takes a very special touch to emulate that properly, and um, mm-hmm. they they did in that game. But anyways, the, the rest of the weekend, yeah, um... We had a real good time, got to meet some of his extended family, and his dog Max was hanging out with us. Uh, and then the next day, uh, you, and then the very next day we went uh, to our friend PJ's house and had some leftover cookout food and hung out there for a bit. Um, those, it was so good. Those beans were fire, uh, yeah. bro. Those beans were so good. Oh yeah, they they were, they were. So, yeah, that was kind of our Memorial Day thing, really. That's basically what we did with for yeah. Memorial Day. We hung out with our friends and all that. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, know, um, tomorrow, I am excited because I am going to my first Pride event. Oh, I, it is I, that month. last time. It is Happy Pride Month, um, so the only Pride event that I've been to outside of this uh, was at Disney Gay Days in uh, in Orlando, Florida, at Walt Disney World uh, back in I think it was either twenty or two thousand nine or two thousand ten. Only difference between then and now is before I was just an ally. Now I'm part of the community. Uh, LGBTQIA+. Yes. I am excited for this. Very nice. Very nice. I'm excited. Yeah, you and I I both technically fall in that community as you identify as as pansexual. Yes. And... I am a demisexual, which is just mm-hmm. like one step below asexual on the yes. ace 
on the East Spectrum. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have no idea how to segue that into the next thing, so I'm just going to say Media Corner. <laughs> Perfect. All right, everyone, welcome to the Media Corner, the part of the show where we talk about the things that we've consumed lately and whether we like them or not, and or some entertainment-related news. I'm going to kick us off today because earlier today I got a rental in the mail from Gamefly, and I already went into it with low expectations because I had seen some very unfavorable reviews and screenshots um but it's the new lord of the rings Gollum game which oh this they 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 did our boy bad they did our boy they did our boy dirty yeah so uh, <laughs> the first thing that i noticed immediately is that Gollum's character design is bad and not only that <laughs> but um his voice acting is also really bad it, it's 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 off. You can tell that he's doing the lines like Gollum, but the voice itself sounds more like it belongs to a goblin. It's 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 very much like this. You know, it's I don't know how it it's weird. Um, they should have not, gotten Andy Circus. It's not throaty enough. That this these developers didn't have the budget for Andy Circus. That's very clear by this game's visuals. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to go like this! Yeah, see, there's be, you know, and if you can't get a good impressionist, I don't know, mm. just use an AI or something. It'd just be like, mm, a- anything would have been better than what they chose to do with this. It's not throaty enough, <laughs> you know? It's it's very, it almost <laughs> sounds like the actor just doesn't care. You know, like, they're not even trying that hard. They're like, whatever, it's a paycheck. It, what I will say, though, <laughs> That's, is the other actors yeah. give a shit. The other actors are putting effort in, but not... And, um, like, Gandalf, his character design is fine. His voice acting is fine. Um, you know, it's not supposed to look like the movies. It's based off the books, not the movies. You know, it's more of a... Right. This is almost like uh, what would serve as, like, a direct sequel to the original animated Hobbit movie, if I'm being honest. Um... Okay. And if you look at it like that, yeah, no, but that doesn't justify its issues for sure. Um, no, I haven't gotten no, far. No, in, definitely I not. I haven't gotten far enough in to really do much yet. But I've played like forty minutes of it earlier today. But what I can tell you is that it's not the gameplay isn't terrible, but it's so generic. It's like extremely paint by numbers. You've got like. The Uncharted climbing, but it's a lot more stiff. You've got the Assassin's Creed stealth, but it's a lot more... I don't know. It's it's very... It's hard to explain. But the game is basically stealth-based, you know, because Gollum can't fight for shit. So you can, if you sneak up on orcs without helmets, you can throttle them to death. <laughs> That's literally what it's called. Uh, he just, like, chokes them out, you know? But the ones with helmets, you gotta, like, throw rocks to distract them and shit, you know? And if you're lucky, Shelob will be around, and you can, like, lure them into her webs and have her eat them, 
you know? Okay. Um, so, conceptually, on paper, this game should have worked. Because what they tried to do, there's potential in there. You can see it. You can see the potential. But it's the execution that they flopped. It's the how. Yeah. Not the what, but the how <laughs> that they fucked up. Yeah. Um. At least from what I've seen so far. Will it get better? I don't know. GameSpot gave it a 2 out of 10, so I don't think so. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ! Yeah, which to me, <laughs> from what I've seen so far, that seems a little harsh, but I also feel like this is the kind of game that I'm gonna... God be. damn! Like, I feel like the more... I, I'm being a little generous right now, but I feel like the more I play it, the more I'm gonna hate it. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just waiting to see. It's gonna be his voice that irks me the most. It's gonna be every time he talks, it just pisses me off. Um, yeah. And they do have a cool mechanic though, where because of the Gollum Smeagol thing, that like sometimes you have to make a choice as either Smeagol or Gollum. Like it'll give you an A or B, and then in order to make that choice, like if you want to make a Smeagol choice, you have to like win an argument with Gollum inside your own head. You have to like make the right dialogue options. <laughs> yeah, you have to like you're, you're like given dialogue options and you have to convince Gollum as Smeagol to go along with your more pacifist way of doing things as Gollum is usually going to go for a more aggressive. Like a good example is early on you're chasing a beetle and like, you know, Gollum is convinced that it's like a spy for Sauron. And he's like, no, we got to smash it. And Smeagol's like, no, it's a nice beetle. You know, it's, it doesn't mean us no harm. <laughs> and you have to like decide which way. And I'm like, why are we wasting time on this shit? I guess it's just to show off the mechanic. But who the fuck cares? It's a beetle. <laughs> it's just, I mean, he's, you know, when he was chasing the bird, that made more sense. But then they just do the same thing again. I don't understand why. Um, so needless to say, I'm not very impressed with it so far. I'm giving it a small bit of leeway because there is potential there. But I knew going into it that it was going to be bad because it's been getting shit on by every reviewer out there. So, um, yeah, and also the game looks nothing like I was actually like excited to us. play that game, too. I don't know. You don't like stealth I was actually games, excited so to play it, too. I don't know. This is like extremely stealth based. Is it? I mean, you're there's a part where you're following orcs and you have to stay close to them, but also far away enough that you don't get caught. It's a very assassin, classic Assassin's Creed in that style. And there's like grass that you have to like tall grass. You have to crawl around in while you're following them to not. Oh, be gotcha. Seen. OK. Yeah. That right. kind of thing. And like I said, you can sneak up behind them oh. and choke them out at certain key moments. But like, this is all I played. I played okay. the tutorial and I'm already like, like, oh, this game isn't good. So I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but I doubt it. <laughs> I, I don't. I Rip off the band. I just <laughs> this is like it's one of those like car wreck scenarios where like I, I. I want to keep going because I want to see just how how bad it gets. Like I just want I need to see yeah. I need to see if it gets any worse or or better. I don't think it'll get better, but I have to see how much of a train wreck it actually becomes. <laughs> I'm morbidly curious, so I'm probably gonna finish it because right. I doubt it's probably like an eight hour game. So you know, probably, but yeah, whatever. Um, I don't rec I don't recommend. See right now that's a that's a not recommend <laughs> that's a negative recommend <laughs> everyone <laughs> yeah an unrecommend i unrecommend it an unrecommend
I talked about it before on a previous episode. I've talked about it actually on multiple previous episodes because I've been excited about this. And it finally dropped today, Season 4, Part 2 of Manifest. I've watched a couple of the episodes so far and it's already an emotional roller coaster. I've been I was sitting here like trying to hold my shit together, trying not to cry, but Netflix is good at tugging at your emotions. It's it's the fun, this is the series this is the series finale, bro. Like this is going to get this is going to get intense. I'm sorry, I have to interject. You give Netflix way too much credit that they don't deserve. The show, yes. Netflix, no. Netflix likes to tug at your wallet is what they like to tug at. They <laughs> That, yeah, they that, are, look, you're look, not look, wrong. They may have saved the show, and I'm glad they did. And they do put out some bangers like Stranger Things. That being said, though, it is like the most of what you find on Netflix is a bunch of nonsense these days. They're being held up by like four really good shows at this point, and that's it. <laughs> and like when I when there's something on it, I don't want to watch. I don't even pay for it anymore. If it's I pay for it when there's something I want to watch, and then when there's not, I turn it back off. It's uh, not worth the money. I keep it because. I keep it because of my daughter. Whenever I have her, she I know there's a, there's a couple of shows on there that she likes to oh, watch. And that's completely fair. But also um that and I know the real, I always the, have access to the the library that I have access to. That's true. But the real credit for that show goes to the writers. <laughs> yes, that. Yes. Yes. No, but this yeah, one I'm... I can already tell. I'm already I'm only two episodes in, two and a half actually, and I can already tell that this is going to be. Like I said, it's going to be intense. It's it is. I can definitely tell that there was a lot put into this because Netflix took a chance with this show. They took a chance. And the original writers for the show are the are the ones that worked on this final this final season, and what they wanted to do for the manifestors, with the basically what the fan base is called the manif- what they wanted to do for the manifestors is um, give them a proper ending. Considering it was, it was, the show was canceled by NBC and Netflix gave them that opportunity to do so. Netflix took, Netflix took a huge chance with this and it, the fan base followed. I'm glad that, that Netflix picked this up because they, they, from what I've watched so far, even from season four, part one, I can tell the difference between the NBC productions and the Netflix productions. You can definitely tell the difference. It gets a little grittier in season four. They get they, they get a they, they get away with a little more than what they were able to on NBC. They kind of did the same thing with Lucifer because Lucifer the first three seasons were done by Fox and then the 
the final three seasons were done by Netflix when they picked it up. We can definitely tell the difference between the two. Okay. So, I'm going to say that's a high recommend from you for that show? Yes, very, very highly, highly recommend it. And okay. it did, and and I I call I called it. It did come out on the the date that I that I predicted, June second, twenty twenty three, and June second yeah. is actually a very significant. No, June third. Wait, no, June second. It's at the time of recording this. It is already Saturday. No, it was June second. June second is a very significant. Yeah, <laughs> it is a um. It came out on the date that I predicted, and then that date is very significant in the show. And I, I'm not going to say anything about the significance of it because it is technically considered a spoiler. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not. Uh, we don't do spoilers around here. We dance around it when we do our synopses and shit. Unless we're doing a movie review, then we do spoilers. Yes. Or yes. game game review or whatever. Okay. mm Hmm. Well, I have... What you got? Uh, I also have another thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I can English. Um, so I recently finished Jedi Survivor. Um, and as much as people were right about the graphical issues it had on performance mode, mm-hmm. there, there was screen tearing and blurry textures and frame drops it did get a little bit better later in the game and they patched it a couple times so but story wise and gameplay wise this game is miles above Mm -hmm. its predecessor i okay there is a bit i don't want to say it's a oh guten tag thank you I don't um I don't want to say it's a slow burn because it's not but what I will say is that you do spend a long time on one particular planet depending on how much side content you choose to do and it, but it makes sense cuz mm-hmm. this planet is basically your base there's like a saloon and like you can recruit people and they go to the saloon and when you talk to them they give you like extra missions it's got like a huge RPG thing going for it but at its core much like the first game the combat is Soulsborne. Uh-huh. The, the combat is Soulsborne. The traversal is Uncharted. Uh, well, the climbing is Uncharted, but the traversal in um, is Metroidvania ish. But like, but like, you know, it's not a side scroller. It's it's the Metroidvania concept of having to backtrack a lot after you get different abilities in order to get to things you couldn't before. You know what I mean? That's right. That's who's the developer behind this one? I forget. Respawn, Respawn Entertainment. They also made the Titanfall two, and you can tell because the wall running mechanic from Titanfall two in the first game also is back in this one as well. There are some nice, very, uh, very, very um, exciting, um, and moments that i would call a visual spectacle where you are just doing all kinds of things so this isn't technically a spoiler because like 
you get abilities in video games. You're going to go through the game seeing green barriers at some point. You're going to be like, hmm, I wonder how I get past those. Obviously, you're going to get some kind of ability to deal with it later. So you do, you get an ability to go through green barriers later. And there's one particular boss battle where you spend an ass load of time in the air, wall running from wall to wall, dashing through green barriers, flying through vortexes. It is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. It is... Nice. amazing and the game itself near the end the places that they go with the story oh i did not see it coming man some of it it just it took me took me a lot it, it, there were some very interesting situations um i bet the places it goes with the story near the end are mind-blowing is the best way to put it like that that's the only yeah. that's the only way I can say it without spoiling anything. It's just ah uh, if you liked the end of the first game, you're going to love the end of this one. <laughs> I can Fair tell you enough. that much. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. So, um yeah, Jedi Survivor is a high recommend from me, but you absolutely mu positively must have played and finished Fallen Order. To really appreciate it. There is a recap that you can watch from the main menu at the beginning, but it does no justice to having actually played the game. Um, That's understandable, and it, rightfully so. And if you're not a fan of the challenge that Soulsbornean combat tends to bring, do not worry. You can turn the game down. It has like four or five difficulty modes, and the very, very bottom one is, or like the easiest one is story mode that basically just makes you like one shot everything and take no damage. <laughs> You're basically invincible yeah. outside of boss battles. Like, um, because I'll be honest, I played it on easy, like the next one up from that, like the easiest, and I was doing good for a uh -huh. while, but like about three fourths into the game, I started struggling. And I had to turn it down to story mode. I bet. Yeah, it was... Some of those fights were a little unforgiving. <clears throat> it was It was actually a secret boss that got me. And I, I didn't realize it was. But if you've ever seen... Re oh, shit. If you've ever seen Return of the Jedi, you'll uh, you'll appreciate this one. So, um... Okay. I mean, I, I'd hope people had seen Return of the Jedi <laughs> if they're playing this game. Bruh. But... No. Um, yeah, no. But that's, yeah, that's that's, my, a, that's a that's a staple. That's a high recommend from me. What's the second thing on Absolutely. your list? Absolutely. Second thing on my list for uh, media corner. So basically, I I recently started watching uh, Game of Thrones with a friend of mine she likes to watch things with people that they've never watched before just to see their reactions. Relatable. And, and I mean, she's watched the entirety of this show. Game of Thrones. I, I, um, yeah, Game of Thrones. I, I'm intrigued. Okay. There's a lot of shit that happened in the first season and I'm, I just made it to season two last night. Maybe the night before. I forget. Now this I am going to say a mild spoiler because it's past the statute of limitations, but Sean Bean yeah. doesn't survive anything he's in. <laughs> Bro, I was pissed when they <laughs> killed uh, Eddard Stark the way they did. The way I wanted to slit Joffrey's throat myself. 
Oh, Joffrey. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 jo- yeah, yeah. Joffrey's a piece of... He's a spoiled little shit. And just he's wait a piece um, of power at its finest. Man, you haven't seen Bro. shit yet. Just wait. <laughs> just wait till the Red Wedding. Then you can start bitching. Bro, I wanted... I wanted to fucking, like, knock his teeth down his throat for forcing his... Uh, so-called girlfriend who just so happened to be Eddard's daughter basically forced her to look at her father's severed head. Yeah, Joffrey is a little pissant, but don't worry. Um, don't worry. Bro, like, don't worry. You'll, I, you'll, I think you'll be happy with some things. I, I think you'll be very happy with some things that happen later, so. But then, I'm gonna warn you now. Does jo- does I, Joff- I know, jo- Joffrey gets his just desserts, maybe? Maybe. But what I am going to tell you is oh, I hope. that I fucking hope so. The show has a terrible habit of killing off people that don't deserve it, but also killing people that do. So there's that. Um fair enough. But what what I am going to tell you is that you're probably going to be disappointed in the 8th season. Maybe you won't cuz it seems like you sometimes seem to enjoy a lot of the things that everyone else hated. So um but <laughs> people were very not happy with season eight and just how they ended the show in general. There's one episode in there that's like really, really dark and it's impossible to see what the fuck's going on. Um, and there's another episode where you can straight up see a Starbucks cup sitting in the frame because they forgot to cut it out. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of lazy that's with funny. that one. It's because they got past the part where the books were because George R. R. Martin is taking very, very long time to write book. And, um, <laughs> I, I, I stumbled over my words, so I decided to just go with it, you know what I mean? Um, but anyways, yeah, that's what it was. It was intentional, I promise. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, but, I'm laughing. But basically, oh, after they didn't have source material from the, after they didn't have source material from the books to work off anymore, they just started winging it from there, and they did not do a very good job of it. Once, <laughs> fair well, enough. At least from what I hear from like literally everyone, you know what I mean. Um, there might be a few. Right. There might be a few staunch defenders of season eight, and I personally like. I'm just going off what I've heard from extremely reliable sources. Um, you, Dylan and Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, not only them, but also like. Um, a lot of podcasts I listened to and all that, they were very, like... And uh, CinemaSins ate that shit up. They did all of season eight over on TV Sins. <laughs> they were like, ooh, this one's ripe. This did. one's ripe for the picking <laughs> cracks knuckles. Um, <laughs> Typity-type-type on the keyboard. Um, so, yeah, I'm just gonna warn you now. Temper your expectations going into season eight, because from what I hear, anyways, it's the worst season of the whole show, but also the last one. But also, there's a bunch of spin-off shows coming out. There's like a prequel, prequel like House of Dragon or whatever, you know? Oh. House of Dragon has already wrapped its first season, and I think they're going to be having a spin-off series called Snow after Jon Snow. Okay. Yeah, you know nothing, Jon Snow. You know the whole South Park uh, Black Friday trilogy was a parody of Game of Thrones. Yes. The, oh yes, I'm very well aware of that, and I picked up on it. The too. um the 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 security guards at the, the mall game. were supposed to be the Night Watch. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the red game. Red Robin uh, wedding is a parody of the Red Wedding, but you're not there yet, and you're gonna fucking shit yourself no. when you get there. I'm telling you. And even that isn't the the worst of it. You're gonna see a lot of familiar people. Like, oh, is that Bella Ramsey? Is that Jason Momoa? Don't get attached to anyone <clears throat> in the show. I'm, you know, it, Jason Momoa's already dead. Yeah, see what I mean? <laughs> don't get attached. He died in the first season. Don't get attached to At the very anybody. end of the first season. Don't get attached to a single Bro, goddamn like, soul. There is absolutely, this is one of those shows where there's absolutely no guarantee that anyone will make it to the end. It's basically medieval Walking Dead. Like. Okay, so I, I, okay, so there is one character that I am kind of attached to. And I'm probably going to end up, like, hating myself for getting attached so quickly. And that's the, the, the uh, fucking imp. Fucking, um, um, Peter, Peter Dinklage's character. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. Ugh. I don't know how yeah. I forgot that, but I did forget. I Yeah, how the fuck did you forget that? <laughs> well, you know what, though? Peter Dink- He's one of the Lannisters, bro. That's right, that's right. Um, isn't he Tyrion? Tyrion, yes. That's right, Tyrion Lannister. I forget. I forget. Honestly, I I genuinely don't know if he dies or not. I I I know a lot of things from that I show. I really hope he doesn't. Secondhand because I don't I never actually watched it, but I know everything that happens for the most part because internet. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised you didn't have it all spoiled for you. I didn't even choose to see it. It just happened, you know? But then I did get curious, and I went on YouTube, and I watched, like, the certain scenes, like the Red Wedding and shit, and I did a little research, because I played the Telltale Game of Thrones game, which has a little side Bro. side story that takes place during the Red Wedding, and I was curious, so. Right, yeah, the one part that I, um, that I had to cover my eyes for in Game of Thrones was when Joffrey had ordered the his henchmen or guards or whatever to uh go and kill his father's bastard uh children oh yep fair yeah right given my personal um personal experiences i'll just put it at that right which is completely just hit a little too close and just a little too close to home some things are you know difficult in that that kind of way um you know i there are some people who they have issue with that with like cats and dogs in movies bad things happening to them yeah so there are websites dedicated to you know telling you whether or not that happens in something before you watch Mm -hmm. it so that you can know does the dog die.com yes yep um okay well i have it bookmarked (laughs) well I can tell you about a movie where a dog doesn't die because there, because as was said in the movie, we don't have no dog. Um, and if you know, you know. <laughs> and if you don't, you need to watch it. It's Pearl. Now, in the last episode, at least the last numbered episode uh, that we recorded, I talked about X. Um, the Ty West directed grindhouse style horror movie about a group of people filming an adult film and the old couple that owns the farm not taking well to it and going on a murder spree. 
that movie that. was very grindhousey. So Pearl is a prequel that take, that that took place in like 1975. Pearl is a prequel that takes place in 1918, and it stars once again Mia Goth, who she plays one of the adult film stars in the original, named Maxine. And but in but she also plays Pearl, the old lady. That's one of the killers. She plays two characters in that movie, and they use a lot of prosthetics to make her look old. Um, and there's a lot of scenes where Maxine and Pearl are in the same scene, so they're both just Mia Goth, um, d- talking to herself, Seth MacFarlane style. It's crazy how they there you go. snipped it together. I had no idea until <clears throat> I I heard it on another podcast later that Mia Goth also played the old lady, Pearl, in that movie. I didn't know she was pulling double duty in that movie. Mm-hmm. So... Yep, she, she she pulled an Eddie Murphy. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Straight nutty professor that shit. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> Wow, you really threw me off there. Okay, so Pearl is obviously about Pearl, but when she was younger, you know, before she was an old lady, but she was still killing people. This girl was always crazy, but instead of being grindhousey, Pearl has more of an early Technicolor film feel to it. Think um, Wizard of Oz, like that, you know? Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's very like. Sound of music! Very kind of like tra-la-la and very vibrant colors with a sort of like, um, like a kind of like Vaseline smear over the camera lens, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. it's like that, you know, everything is, um, really vibrant and kind of, uh, smoothed. And, you know, it's funny because when you think of Wizard of Oz, um, and I'll say quick shout out to the Dead Meat podcast. They uh, talk about horror movies, and when they talked about Pearl, it's it's a they they live in Hollywood. It's a husband and wife, and they both went to film school, so they have a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. on these things. Uh, they said they saw a lot of parallels between Pearl and Wizard of Oz, and the more I thought about it and listened to them, the more I agree. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of stand-ins here. With Pearl herself being okay. a perfect stand-in for Dorothy. I can't really get into all the parallels without spoilers, but I, I will say you see the early stages of this character's psychosis be- before they become a full-blown serial killer in what is technically the sequel later on. But a lot of things that happen in X make a lot more sense when you've seen Pearl. You know, it fills in some of those yeah. gaps. But you should definitely watch X first, because even though Pearl is a prequel, the context from X makes it more enjoyable. And I think they actually filmed both okay. these movies back to back, you know. Um, that's why they it put them out sense. so quickly. Yeah, there's a third movie called Maxine, also starring Mia Goth, that's going to round out the whole trilogy. <laughs> um, so... Um, but yeah, I highly recommend Pearl, because it, I, I like it more than X, if I'm being honest. But it, it's got such an interesting vibe to it. Um, and don't let the weird Technicolor vibe fool you because it still gets it still gets violent and bloody, but in a very over the in a very it's weird to say, but it's still really colorful. 
Um, it's not gritty and grindhousey like X is. It's a completely different vibe. Um, and may, that might be part of why I liked it more. You know, it also, which you know, this is just a personal thing for me. Even though sex was still a part of it, it wasn't as huge of a part of it. It was more focusing on her descent into madness more than anything. You know? I will say, without spoiling anything, there is one part near the end of this movie where she has, like, a six-minute monologue uh, where she kind of, like, comes to terms with her own insanity. And it might be some of the best like acting i've seen in a while it looks like they did it all in one take too so props to mia goth for that because a six minute monologue is a hard thing to memorize <laughs> you know uh-huh. so that's just really good acting so yeah if you like if you like what i would call high art horror movies like art house horror definitely watch <clears throat> x <throat> and pearl <clears throat> okay um all right you got a third thing uh yeah actually um it, this is actually this as of recording as of this recording this was this information was dropped today on WWE Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Now they unified the WWE title and the Universal title back at WrestleMania last year when Roman Reigns defeated Brock Lesnar in a winner takes all match unifying the title. They haven't they didn't unify it completely until today on SmackDown. So for the longest time Roman Reigns has been carrying around the WWE Championship title belt and the Universal title. Now that they have it unified, it is now the new undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And it hits different. It looks amazing. It looks right. I'm excited to see whoever takes this belt off of this man, because he's he, as of today... He has reached 1,000 days as the undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion. Oh, wow. This man has been undefeated for three years and, and, and counting. The last, the last time he was pinned in a 1-2-3 in a was December of 2019. He's been undefeated ever since, but I cannot wait to see who steps up and finally takes this title from this man because his his title reign has it, it's 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 getting a bit old. <laughs> Every fucking city he goes to, whenever he come, whenever he go, whenever he comes out to the ring, the first thing he says is the name of the city that he's in. And then follows that by acknowledge me. And I'm like, bro, this <laughs> gimmick is getting old. And someone just needs to dethrone your ass because you are definitely not the tribal chief. You are not the head of the table. You are 
living in Dwayne Johnson's shadow, my friend. Yes, you were living in your cousin's shadow, and I cannot wait for the day The Rock comes back to the WWE to face Roman Reigns in a match at some point, because that match has been teased for many, many months, if not for the last couple of years. I can't fucking wait to see when The Rock finally comes back to beat his cousin's ass, to set his ass straight. I'm guessing that'll be a one-time thing, because... because From what I understand, he retired from wrestling to pursue acting. He did, he did, but he has... He has made appearances here and there. WWE will always be home, and he'll, he's, he's even said that in in in, in many interviews. WWE <laughs> will always be his home. That's oh, where he got his oh, start. I see. So that's why him and Vin Diesel got into it because his family was the wrestling people. Not the cast of Fast and Furious. <laughs> Vin right. Diesel's like, no, you only get one. You gotta choose. It's us or them. <laughs> the Rock left those movies after the eighth one. He's not in nine or ten. Well, he's in a he's in a something. He's coming back. He's teased to come back in ten, but it's so I just ah uh, it it's there isn't supposed to be more. It's 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 so insulting <laughs> it's and also missed opportunity to call this movie fast 10 your seat belts literally everyone is saying that i didn't make that shit up it's a dumb punk why why roman numerals now why fast x because x looks cool it makes no sense and the other part is in the ninth, in the ninth movie in the ninth movie they fucking tarzan swing a suspension bridge and then Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson go to space. They go to fucking space. I'm frothing at about the mouth. Anymore. That movie it's legitimately... It's not about cars anymore. I know. And it, no, that, it, there is something about the existence of the ninth movie and the bullshit that it does that legitimately angers me. I'm not genuinely too angered mm. by the existence of the movies, but that one and Don't Breathe 2 are both movies that make me actually mad that they exist. <laughs> And that, I, otherwise, otherwise, I don't care. Taste is subjective, but those movies are insulting. Uh, and then the tenth one, from what I, I mean, did they play Rocket League with a bomb? And there's like literally, literally everyone from every other movie is in this one. It's just a whole like smorgasbord of cameos. It's whatever. I don't care, bro. <laughs> I uh, oh my yeah I agree. God. I'd have to say that they 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 need to they need to put a stop to it because these are gone way too overboard. Everything they just keep they just keep upping the ante with each movie. I'm gonna bring Brian back and have his brother play him. Just stop. Just stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. And now, on to this episode's topic. All right, everyone, welcome to this episode's topic of discussion. This episode, the topic is hidden gems, games, movies, TV shows, and otherwise, that are things that we enjoyed 
but we think they haven't gotten enough attention or the attention that they rightfully deserve. And so we're going to tell you about them. These are things that there's a very good chance you've probably never heard of. So, Nick, why don't you start us off with a hidden gem? This one is a video game, and I've talked about it on the show many a times. This is going to be an ongoing thing. Probably won't be the, the last time I bring it up. But I don't know if it would be considered a hidden gem, but to me, I think it is. And it was one. it was a game that I absolutely loved when I was a kid on Sega Genesis. Boogerman. It's just... It's it fits my humor. I am easily amused, and in this game, you going through the sewers, fighting all these sewer monsters, and the way you defend yourself is by flinging boogers, letting out noxious burps or some really raunchy farts, and it's. It, 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 as a whole, it's a piece of art. And if I ever got the chance to play it again, I would in a fucking heartbeat. Because this was one of my favorite games that I would play for hours on end when I was a kid on my Sega Genesis. I loved it. Whenever you talk about this game, for some reason, all I can picture is Earthworm Jim. You're right. So, okay, so his suit was... Okay, so the the story... It's not necessarily a story, but the, the backstory for Boogerman, he was a janitor, and then he came across... I forget how it happened, but it was like a toilet in the bathroom that he was... Uh, cleaning and it, this toilet led to a different dimension in uh the sewers and when he went to go plunge it it uh it sucked him in and it put him through this <laughs> portal bro this game is fucking insane no i just it, i just looked up the game on google right and the artwork has me cracking up because Boogerman himself looks like a Hanna-Barbera character. Yeah. No, he seriously looks like a Flintstones character turned into a superhero. <laughs> but also, if you read the subtitle uh, on the game, the full title of the game isn't just Boogerman. It's Boogerman, a pick-and-flick adventure. <laughs> Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> yes, bro. This is like one of my all-time favorite childhood memories. This was one of my favorite games, and it still is to this day. And honestly, it don't matter what. It does not matter how good a game is. This game will always be my number one. All right, well, we're talking about hidden gems, and you're over here digging for gold. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. I'm sorry, I couldn't help even... myself. <laughs> you ain't even lying. 
Oh, man. But, okay, okay. Well, I have a... I have a game as well as one of my first things. It's an indie game that's more recent. It actually came out this year. It's free for PlayStation Plus Extra members. And it's spelled T-C-H-I-A, but pronounced Chia. <laughs> the T is silent, like nuclear. <laughs> Chia. So this game is basically, it's what I would call if Pixar made a video game, right? At least that's the way it seems from a story perspective and from a world building perspective. It feels very Pixar-y, even down to the narrative a little bit. So the game takes place in New Caledonia and it is very faithful to that area in terms of culture and scenery and stuff like that and it's because mm -hmm. the developers went to new caledonia and did their research so major props major respect to them for that because if you're gonna make a game that takes place in another country then you should probably go out of your way to make sure that you're getting it accurate but the story follows this girl named chia who her father is, like, kidnapped by an evil wizard or something, and she gets so mad that she turns into a knife and chases after him, but misses, and... Anyways, long story short, she basically finds out that she has this spirit-jumping power where she has the ability to jump into any object or animal that she desires and temporarily control them for a while. Do you want to play as a deer? You can. Do you want to play as a bucket? You can. Do you want to play as a bird? You can. Want to play as a rock? You definitely can. All of these things are possible in Chia. And each of the things that you control, each have their own unique individual abilities. So like if you're controlling a dog or a boar, for example, you can dig around in the earth for treasure and stuff. If you're controlling a deer, you can sprint. If you're controlling a bird, you can fly, which is cool. But also, your special ability is to poop. Yes, just press R2 and you can poop <laughs> while flying. Because why not? <laughs> um, the game has a lot of similarities between two popular Zelda games, Breath of the Wild and Wind Waker. Um, so I would say fans of either of those games would get a lot out of this. And it also uh -huh. reminds me a lot of the Disney movie Moana in some ways. The game is also very open world. After the first, you know, maybe hour or so of tutorial, it basically just throws you out into the open world and says, okay, good luck, you know. And it's, you know, you got to use the map and okay. the compass to kind of figure out where you're going. So it's not super handholdy on direction but where it is um it does have a lot of accessibility options one of which is the ability to completely straight up skip entire gameplay gameplay sections if you find them to be too difficult for you um or boring nice. like if there's a part of the game you're just not enjoying you're like man i don't like what i'm doing right now i just want to move on to the next cutscene. you can do that just pause the game and say skip gameplay segment and it'll take you straight to the next cutscene. easy peasy lemon squeezy there are even sometimes moments where you're sitting around a campfire and there's like a 
part of the story where someone's playing an instrument and you play along or you're playing for them or whatever and it's like a, a rhythm game QTE section but if you don't like that you can just hit a button to make her autoplay the instrument and you can just sit back and enjoy it so the game is basically it's catered to make sure that no matter who you are that you can find some enjoyment out of it because anything any parts of it that you don't like you can just straight up skip and stick with the parts you do like speaking of which that's another zelda comparison is the fact that after you get your instrument you can kind of play it to do different things like there's a a tune you can play that changes the time of day from day to night and that feels a lot like ocarina of time as far as zelda games so chia very clearly took a lot of inspiration from a lot of zelda games and of course, everyone in the game speaks their native tongue. Again, this game takes place in New Caledonia, which I think that's great. I think if you're going to um, make a game or something that takes place in another country or culture, you're gonna you you should go out of your way to make sure that you're doing everything you can to be as accurate and respectful to the source material as possible. In my opinion. Um, and, you know, I know there are some people yeah. out there that's like, I don't want to play no games with no goddamn foreigners in them. I'm a red-blooded American. I only play games with white people in them. Well, first of all, that's racist. And secondly, get the fuck over yourself. It's free on PlayStation Plus Extra. Uh, so what's the worst that could happen? You, uh, you don't like it and you end up deleting it? Ooh, big deal. You know. No, but seriously. I... So, what I'm about to say here, um, I have to dance around very carefully because I don't want anyone to take it wrong, but there, I understand that not everyone has the time for everything, so we're not always going to be able to get to everything. We, we can't, we physically can't give everything a fair chance because time is an issue, you know? There are definitely some movies I'll probably never see, some games I'll probably never play, unfortunately, because, you know, if I had all the time in the world, I would. But, but, the thing is, it's not about whether or not you can get to all these things. What matters is that you're not prejudging something without having actually tried it. So, not being able to get to something and kind of writing it off like eh, it's not a priority i just don't have the time to get to it you know that's fine that's one thing but if you are writing a game off or a movie off for a completely arbitrary reason that you have decided in your mind that it's bad before you've even played or watched it then that's a problem. I can understand an argument for certain things, like Don't Breathe 2 is a movie a lot of people don't want to watch because it it glorifies a sexual offender. Um, it, 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 it turns a... It tries to make a bad guy a good guy, and it doesn't work. Like, and... I don't mean like sympathetic villain, I mean like bad, bad. Like this is a very bad man. He did something so bad I can't say the word on YouTube. And the second movie wants to make him a hero. So if you want to prejudge a movie like that, that's fine because that's problematic. Um, 
But like, if we're prejudging something that takes place in another country specifically because it takes place in another country, that's not okay. In fact, thinking that way is problematic, if you ask me. Um, you know, so like I said, there are some things where it's justified and there are some things where it's not, I think. And, um, I, I do think overall though, as because art is subjective, we can't give, um, educated opinions on things unless we've actually experienced them. I guess is the best way to put it. So you can have an opinion on something that you've never watched or played, but until you've watched or played it, you have to accept the fact that your opinion is coming from a place of ignorance. And that's not an insult. It's just a definition. It's just the truth. <laughs> but you... But if you take the time to actually watch or play something, and you don't enjoy it, that's fine, but it's more justifiable in that case because you actually took the time to watch or play it, and therefore your opinion is coming from a place of experience, perspective, and education. And it holds more water than the opinion of someone who doesn't have that experience or perspective, if that um, makes more, if that makes any sense. Um, anyways, not trying to get on a soapbox here or anything, it's just, uh, you know how I am about art. It's, um, I, I feel like, I just wanted to make it very clear, I'm not saying people have to try everything. I'm not saying, no, you need to try this, don't just write it off before you try it. No, 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 no. I feel like that gets easily misinterpreted a lot. No. I'm not saying you have to try everything. God, no, that's not possible. What I am saying, though, is don't prejudge things that you haven't tried. You can write them off because you don't have the time or whatever, and if you want to write something off because it's problematic, you know, um, like, a lot of people boycotted Hogwarts Legacy because they didn't want to give J.K. Rowling any royalties because she is transphobic, and the goblins in her stories are supposed to be making fun of Jewish people, so... Yeah, she's problematic, so I can understand that. But um, something that's completely innocent, like Chia, for example, uh, there's absolutely no reason to prejudge a game like that without actually trying it. The only re like, if it's if the game, if you watch a trailer and the gameplay doesn't look appealing to you, and you want to write it off as not a priority, that's fine. But don't judge it. Don't judge it without actually having played it. That's that's the stuff that drives me nuts. Is when people, um, is when people try to have a solid, formulaic opinion. When people basically try to review something they haven't actually experienced, you can't formulate a proper review of something you haven't actually gone hands on with. You know. But anyways, <laughs> like I said. Kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but yeah, Chia, um, amazing little indie game, very, very beautiful. Um, the music is great. The, the the graphics are the graphics are minimal, but they work for this environment, for this world. There's a little bit of ragdoll physics in there. Like when I spirit jumped into a deer at one point, I tripped over a rock running down a hill, and then my legs kind of tumbled under me, and I just kind of flopped around like Goat Simulator. <laughs> 
um, which was kind of funny to see. So this is a game. It, I, this is a game that they tried very hard to make accessible to everybody, all ages, you know, all gameplay types. You know, there's a little something for everyone in there. So I feel like since it's free on PlayStation Plus Extra, if you have it, give it a try. At least try it. You know, like be just. Be a good sport, be open-minded, and give it a shot, because it is one hell of a amazing, beautiful uh, game. And just to be clear, I'm talking to everybody here. I'm not talking directly to my co-host. I'm talking to you, the audience. Play Chia, goddammit. It is definitely a top ten contender this year. Oh, but anyways, what's another hidden gem for you, Nick? So, okay, so, yeah, I, um... Yeah, my my cousin is actually uh, a local celebrity ish. Um, I would, yeah, I'd say he's a local celebrity. He is uh a a total of now three bands. I haven't heard any any of the music from his new band Aperture, but his other bands, Born into Exile. And faith in vain. Now I know Ryan knows about these bands because the first show I went to for Faith in Vain, Ryan's old band, A Martyr's Fall, was there. So it's if 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 you're not a Rockford local or if you're not a Rockford native, chances are you probably haven't heard of these bands. But Within the Rockford music scene, my, at least from what I've gathered, my uh, Born into Exile and Faith in Vain are two of the most popular uh, metal bands here in Rockford, and they are both led by my cousin. So I don't really have hidden gems in terms of bands. Like, I don't have a specific band I consider a hidden gem. It's more like a niche musical genre for me. It's um, songs about and inspired by video games, not songs from video game soundtracks, which, you know, um, I do think don't get the attention they deserve, but that's more underrated than hidden gem. Um, but, like, there are just, like, certain groups, um, like... The Stupendium, a British guy who is one of the best lyricists I've ever heard. Like, the way he writes his lyrics is just so... His vocabulary is expansive, is the best way to put it. Um, he's really good at what he does, and all of his songs are about different video games, like The Outer Worlds, Little Nightmares 2. He collaborates with Dan Bull a lot. But another genre in that vein of music based on video games is there's you know how a lot of times you'll go on youtube and you'll see you know lo-fi chill beats to study and relax to or whatever kind of thing well there are video game versions of that um basically lo-fi hip-hop remixes of different video game music and some of the most popular ones or some of the best ones i should say are done by artists that are signed by a label called Game Chops. They have a whole YouTube channel where they have a live stream going 24-7 where they play this music. 
um, from their different artists. It's like a basically like a radio station that's commercial free, and it's all just lo-fi remix, lo-fi hip hop, and like chiptune eight-bit remixes of video game music and stuff. And it's really cool. They actually did an album recently that is actually popular songs from you know like some newer some older but a bunch of popular songs remixed to sound like background music to old sonic the hedgehog sega genesis games it was really really cool uh my uh, it's it's a remake i should have actually brought this up on the on the last episode that we did because it was considering it was remakes reboots and remasters this is a remake of a 1971 film willard uh, Willard, and the the remake was made in 2003. This movie stars Crispin Glover, and he befriends a rat, and then a shit ton of other rats, and he, um, but no, um, he befri- he befriends a shit ton of rats, and then he uses those rats. Those those rats become loyal to him. And then he uses those rats to basically eliminate anybody who has wronged Willard. These rats basically uh, they eat they 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 eat his um, offenders alive, and it's it's a it's very disturbing, a very dark film, but I enjoy that. Okay, well the next hidden gem for me is a movie from my childhood, an animated movie, very short one. Um, I think I first discovered it on Cartoon Network's cartoon theaters that they would play on the weekends, where they'd play full animated movies with commercials. But also, I owned a VHS copy of this, I think, at some point as well. Anyways, it's a movie called Cats Don't Dance. Bro, you ain't lying. That was a, that movie was my shit. I had it on VHS, bro. Yeah, it, it, so it's about um this orange cat, tomcat named Danny. And to be clear, in this movie, uh, animals and humans uh, it coexist in a... Like, animals are like humans in this world. They're anthropomorphic. They walk and talk and they do normal human stuff. And they coexist along regular humans. So, um, basically this cat named Danny, uh, who lives in a rural area, uh, in Indiana, I think it is. He's traveling to Hollywood because he has dreams of making it big. You know, he wants to be, he wants to be a dancer. He wants to be an actor. And, uh, once he gets there, he finds out that animals don't really make it big in Hollywood. They're only good enough for bit parts and low-class jobs and stuff like that. But ever the optimist, Danny is not going to let him and his friends, his new friends, down. And he he finds a way. He finds a way for them to make it. Um, you know, it's a very paint-by-numbers animated kids movie, but I have a lot of nostalgia for it because I watched it a lot as a kid. The reason I think it's a hidden gem, though, is because of the music. I think the songs in this movie are absolutely stellar. And the girl, the the main villain, Darla Dimple, she's actually played by two different um, young actresses. 
one of them doing her regular voice and one doing her singing voice. And the one who did her singing voice was 12 years old. And there's one song where she holds a note for like a minute straight. It's insane. So, but, um, yeah. Anyways, Cats Don't Dance is actually free on YouTube. You can watch an official licensed copy on YouTube for free. Because you know how YouTube has movies and TV shows that you can rent or buy, and if you connect it to your Voodoo account or whatever, all of your library is there too. Well, Cats Don't Dance is like an official, it's an official copy of the movie. Some movies on YouTube are free, and they're like official copies, not just pirated ones that somebody uploaded, but like from the companies themselves. And this is one of them. So if you're curious, look up Cats Don't Dance on YouTube, and it's only an hour and 14 minutes long. So I'd definitely watch it. I'd put it up there with like Bolto and the Iron Giant in terms of movies I watched when I was a kid. Um, and I have a lot of nostalgia memory for Balto was a really good one too, honestly. Speaking of that, you know, based on a true story too. Um, for some reason I particularly, out of everything in that movie, the Russian goose, funny Russian goose sidekick is the thing I remember the most, you know. I remember the part where he's like, now you listen here. This goose is no spring chicken. <laughs> he's like, and then the snow falls on him, and he's like, ooh, I'm no spring penguin either. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, cats don't dance, but they do run around a lot and meow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, that was uh, that was one of my absolute favorites, along with like Cholin Central Park. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, the pebble and the penguin. You know what else it kind of reminds me of is the Fievel movies. You remember those? Mm -hmm. <laughs> American Tale and Fievel Goes West. Bro, when when my dad when when I was a kid and I was walking too slow, my dad would look at me and he goes, "Keep walking, Fievel." Yes, I love the American the American Tale, the Fievel Goes West movies. Yes, absolutely on my list. Love those! I love that shit. That 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 holds a very special place in my childhood. Also, uh, Rockadoodle comes to mind. The one about the the rooster who's basically Elvis, and it's got like the evil yeah. owl with the with the big eyebrows. I loved Rockadoodle. That 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 sh that movie was my shit. I had it on VHS. Bro, like you, you don't even know. Like you, I mean, you know, but shit, man. That movie, it, 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 it was something special. Another one I'm thinking of is a horror movie. And this is one of those, like, underground, after-dark horror films. But it's called The Final. And it's, like, about a group of nerds that are tired of being bullied. So they uh, trick all of their bullies into going to a party where they basically trap and torture them as revenge. It's it's like a horror version of Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, this one. I loved this movie. But yeah, yeah, definitely some like saw type shit, you know, like um, you know, mm -hmm. cut off your girlfriend's finger with these garden shears or we'll take a blowtorch to your eyeball, you know, that kind of thing. Actually reminds me in a little ways of a horror movie called Would You Rather? that kind of fell in that same vein of yeah. horrible choices where nobody wins. And it actually takes me to another 
horror movie, and I would consider this one even more of a hidden gem, called Are You Scared? And this one is, like, so hard to find these days. Like, good luck if you can find it. Even if you sail the seven seas, you'll, you'll struggle to find a good copy of it. Um, at least one that's being seeded. Uh, but it's called Are You Scared? And it's very Saw-like. A bunch of people think that they're going to some kind of, like, reality show competition thing. And when they get there, they find out that the real the competition, the reality show is a bit too real. You know, the first red flag is that it takes place in a CD warehouse. That probably would have been like the first, you know, but like it's also supposed to be horror themed. So I guess they just kind of figure, oh, it's part of the aesthetic, you know, like a haunted house. But nope, this shit's real. <laughs> it, but it is very Saw-like in the sense that a lot of the characters, the challenges they have to face in this movie have something to do with their with their fears with their paranoias you know i distinctly remember one game slash trap slash challenge where these two siblings were on these like on this chair and there's a drill coming towards them and like one of them basically has to choose to sacrifice themselves to save the other one like one of them has to die is really messed up Ooh, yeah that's i think i saw that one too another one that's kind of similar it's called um, Truth or Dare, and I think I saw it on Netflix. Truth or Dare was another really good one that's kind of similar to that. Based on those like those like party games type shit. So this isn't necessarily a hidden gem, but it's on. It's a. It was a Disney Plus original film, and it's called. Um, Togo, and apparently, Togo is also based on a true story, and it is basically the live action Balto, and it has Willem Dafoe in it. I have not watched it, so I would not be able to one hundred percent confirm that, but that is what I have heard. I definitely plan on watching it. It's been out for a while now, but. So I, uh, I actually just thought of another video game. It's a PS1 game, um, classic era PS1 game called Tomba. It's uh, about this like pink-haired caveman guy who is like, I, I don't know, pigs do something that piss him off. And it's basically a 2D side-scroller where you're like jumping on the pigs and biting them in order to defeat them. <laughs> and you're just like a pink-haired caveman dude in a loincloth just running around killing these evil pigs. And that's about all the more I actually remember about it, but I do remember it being um, really fun 2D side-scrolling platformer type game. Um, the PS1 era had a lot of those. Uh, well, not a... The PS1 era had a lot of 3D platformers was when they started going with 3D, but there was still a few side-scrollers here and there, and that was one of them. Um, another one, although I would consider this more 2.5D, but another one was a game called Klonoa, The Door to Phantom Isle. Um, I'm not sure if this one is so much a hidden gem because it was popular enough that it got a remaster collection recently, um, but... I don't know a lot of people besides my sister who were actually aware of this game. So, but yeah, you're this little like dog creature thing and 
a mysterious something or another crashes into your hometown and you're going to investigate it. And um, you get a mysterious power from this ring that you find and you can use this power to fight these little creatures that are invading your hometown. And there's like a big guy in a bird mask who's trying to kidnap a princess and long, you know, long story short, you go on an adventure. And it's got like an overworld map similar to Crash Bandicoot where you like go to the different things and come back. And there's even like some areas that you have to like, um, you have to come back to after you've done something in another area before you can get to certain things. Like one area, certain area, things are blocked off by a waterfall and you have to like basically turn it off in another level and then come back to that level and then you can go that way. It's very interesting. It did like a sort of very light Metroidvania thing in that aspect, but overall it's just a regular 2D side-scrolling platformer game with a very interesting animation and aesthetic. But definitely a hidden gem in my book. There's another game I had when I was a kid that I wanted to talk about briefly while you're trying to remember what game you were, t- uh, were going to talk about. And this one, this was just one I just kind of pulled out of my ass. Um, but um, Clay Fighters on the Sega Genesis. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember how popular it was. But I do know that that was one of my favorite. Like, that was my first combat game i never got to play street fighter because my mom wouldn't let me because it promoted violence but so did clay fighter it was a fighting game it was a combat game and i was i own i wasn't allowed to play it that often i was able to i was allowed to play it in small doses i i was a i was as a child i was fucking sheltered like (laughs) hardcore sheltered like I didn't get to enjoy a lot of the things that I enjoy now until later in later in life when I could make when I could make my own decisions. Like I wasn't even allowed to watch WWE because it objectified women back in the Attitude Era. My mom didn't want me exposed to that. So before we wrap up here, I actually have some answers from listeners. Uh, friends and whatnot that I want to read real quick. Uh, I just reached out to a few people to get their thoughts. Um, Dylan Funky Hurdles said the Nicolas Cage movie Pig. Uh, He said he thinks it's his best performance. If you think Nick Cage is just goofy, it'll convert you to Noval Samanic shamanic pretty quick it's also a great story about success food and family that slowly unravels over time Uh, i've heard good things about it and mandy and the unbearable weight of massive talent i've heard good things about all these movies so they're definitely on my list i'm gonna watch them eventually um ryan aka ryquaza or rmk buried alive if you will uh says um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelists of the Roses for the PS2. 
it fell into this really weird place where it was technically a Yu-Gi-Oh game, but didn't function the way any of the other ones ever have. It's more chess than traditional card game, but has card game elements in it too. Killer soundtrack, insanely fun gameplay loop, but got written off by non-Yu-Gi-Oh fans for being a Yu-Gi-Oh game, and by Yu-Gi-Oh fans for being for not being a traditional game. I think I remember this too, but like very vaguely. Like, it sounds familiar, but I don't know if I ever actually played it. I'd have to look it up. My sister also indirectly had an entry because I was talking to her about X and Pearl, and she mentioned another horror movie that Mia Goth is in called Infinity Pool. You can rent it for $6 on Amazon Prime, and apparently it was written and directed by Brandon Cronenberg, who is the son of David Cronenberg, known for his... Um, body horror movies like The Fly and Scanners. Um, Brandon does include body horror like his father, but it's not nearly to the same level. Um, you know, she she doesn't really like body horror that much, so she wouldn't watch it or even recommend it if it was to that level. But she recommends this one, so I'm definitely going to check it out at some point. Now, Dylan's girlfriend, Chaz, also had an entry for this. Um, she said, Scott Pilgrim, it flopped in theaters, and it's one of her all-time favorite movies that uh, she tries and introduces to everyone. Although, I would say, I feel like Scott Pilgrim is well-known. At this point, it does have a cult following. I don't know if it's a hidden gem anymore, but it definitely was at one point. Um, but I feel like that movie is... I mean, not super popular, but it definitely has a cult following now. Um, Music-wise, she says the uh, the the Hoisers, I think that's how you pronounce it, or the Hoosers. Anyways, uh, they do a song called Goodbye, Mr. A. They were, like, so big when their first album came out, but now no one talks about or listens to them. And their other albums are just as amazing. Um, she says it's one of her all-time favorite bands. Um, game-wise, she feels like The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess is kind of a hidden gem. Um, I would agree that it's underrated, for sure. Um, it's definitely my favorite of the Zelda games. But she said the reason being is that the game is freaking amazing. It has some of the best music, best art, and everyone is, like, obsessed with all the other Zelda games. But she really likes this one. Um... It's emo and you can be a wolf, so what's not to like about it? <laughs> but it, it definitely doesn't get the love it deserves, which makes her sad. And me, too. I, I agree with this. Um, they, it needs a remake on the Switch. It really does. Um, she also gave an audiobook recommendation. Um, and she think because she said it's media, and she thinks that people should read a little more to help the brain. Um, but it's a two-hour little audiobook called The Dispatcher. And from what I can see from the um, the description, it's um, it's narrated by Zachary Quinto. And the story is, one day, not long from now, it becomes almost impossible to murder anyone. 999 times out of a thousand, anyone who is intentionally killed comes back. How? We don't know. But it changes everything. War, crime, daily life. Tony Valdez is a dispatcher, a licensed, bonded professional whose job is to humanely dispatch those whose circumstances put them in death's crosshairs. 
so they can have a second chance to avoid the Reaper. But when a fellow dispatcher and former friend is apparently kidnapped, Tony learns that there are some things that are worse than death, and that some people are ready to do almost anything to avenge a supposed wrong. It's a race against time for Valdez to find his friend before it's too late, before not even a dispatcher can save him. I also got an answer from my good friend Sky, who says, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which I agree is a very unique game that had a very unique mechanic, where it's got kind of an isometric view, but and you're controlling two brothers, but the, the gimmick here is that you control one brother with the left joystick and the other brother with the right joystick. Um, so you're, you know, controlling them both at once, and it's kind of like a... It was the beginning stages of what eventually evolved into games like A Way Out and It Takes Two, um, which both required two players, but this one required just one person, but you had to use both joysticks and control two characters simultaneously, which was a very interesting way of doing things. But yeah, um, all three games that I just mentioned, all made by the same guy, the Yosef, uh, you know, fuck the Oscars guy. Um, yeah. So, definitely a high recommend there. So, really good answers from everyone. Thank you all so much for participating in that. So, with that being said, I say it's about time we wrap it up. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's late. I've got, I've got, oh man. I got a day. I got a long day ahead of me tomorrow, and I need to get some sleep. <laughs> right, right. Say no more. Say no more. We all know what that means. So, anyways, folks, thank you all so much for listening. If you uh, have your own hidden gems uh, that you'd like to recommend, be mm -hmm. sure to leave a comment down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, or if you are listening. You can send me an email at uh, MrOversoul53 at gmail.com. That's M-R-O-V-E-R-S-O-U-L-5-3 at gmail.com. Um, and I'll be sure to read that on the next episode if you do. If you enjoyed this and you're watching it on YouTube, be sure to click that like button. If you are listening on Spotify, be sure to follow. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. Once again, I have been Justin, a.k.a. Oversoul, and you can find me on Twitter at Oversoul53, or here, of course, on the YouTube as Oversoul Gaming. I can be found as The Vaping Fiend on Twitter. I can also be found on TikTok at v.vaping.fiend, uh, as well as Twitch, The Vaping Fiend, uh, and PlayStation Network, The Vaping and with all that being said, we'll catch you in the next episode. Good night, everybody. Bye.